2: Well, welcome back. Wednesday, September 20th, 2023. I am Seth Leibson. 602 is the number if you'd like to call. Anything on your mind? Uh, anything lo- you'd like to weigh in on? David Dahl, my producer. Good to see you, brother. We got Terry. Good to see you as well. Thank you. We got Terry to the west of you. And no one to my north. I'm unguarded to my north. It's the zone of attack. Nefarious times we live in. That's a title to an old short story written by Woody Allen some years ago. Nefarious means wicked or evil, but its etymology actually comes from the Latin of not speaking rightly. And this is where the use and abuse of language is being waged to lead not only to nefarious times, but also confusing times. And we live in a confusing time, don't we? It almost seems deliberate, and it almost seems deliberate because it likely is deliberate. As George Orwell once put it, if thought can corrupt language, language can also corrupt thought. Or perhaps Saul Alinsky had it better. He who controls language controls the masses. So back to the confuse, confusion and the confusing times we live in. The etymology of the word confusion is both interesting and on point for our lesson today. The word comes from the Latin confusionum which means disorder, literally the act of mingling together two or more things or notions that are properly separate. Two or more things properly separate. I thought of all this as I read, courtesy of highlighting from our friends at Arizona Women of Action, quote, there's a pronoun event scheduled for the Foothills Glendale Library. While it's supposedly an adult program, it's not listed as such, and any age can attend. A pronoun event <laughs> sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? Three years ago, nobody would know what that meant. Now we all do. Not a community event, not a charitable event, not a book exchange or sale or trade event, you know, the kind of thing you might see a library doing, but a pronoun event. Maybe next month we'll get a gerund event. But the real problem is what our friends at Arizona Women of Action point to. It's for all ages. Here's some of the description of the event from the library to the community. Quote, how are pronouns related to gender identity, such as cisgender, transgender, and non-binary? What are gender identities? Now, this is funded in part by the Arizona Office of the Secretary of State. Think about that for a moment, your tax dollars at work. Now, before we say much more, let us recall the importance of nouns and thus pronouns. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary tells us the point of the pronoun is a word that is used instead of a noun or a noun phrase. Pronouns refer to either a noun that has already been mentioned or to a noun that does not need to be named specifically because we already know what it is referring to. They are words used to substitute for nouns when your reader or listener already knows which noun you're referring to. When your reader or listener already knows what you are referring to, interesting that, especially when we consider the new pronouns are anything but referential to definite nouns of specific meaning. Now, the importance of language is not to be forgotten or discounted. It is, as Aristotle teaches, what separates us as a human species from other human species. Speech, Aristotle teaches, is what we use to distinguish and help others distinguish between the advantageous and harmful, the good and bad, the dangerous and safe, the painful and pleasant. And it is the common understanding of words, particularly nouns or their pronouns, that make communication and thus reason and thus human survival possible. Just as the distinct binary nature of individuals is what created and perpetuates the human race, something called nature. My old teacher Harry Jaffa wrote, the common noun and thus proper noun or pronoun is the epistemological basis for human reason. One cannot, for example, say they've met German shepherds or Great Danes, but not dogs. Every common noun, man, dog, horse, tree, chair, house, is a universal predicated on an infinite number of possible particulars our brains can recognize without, for example, using or seeing them. All language, thus, is based on reason and is constituted by and is about common nouns. Dog is a common noun, or universal, whereas Fido might be a particular. In calling Fido a dog, we recognize the universal and the particular. We can also refer to Fido as a him, or a he, if we have in our mind what we are in fact speaking about. Intelligible speech is not possible without common nouns and pronouns, and every common noun and pronoun requires universal, that is to say, general and common understandings. Or it used to be that way, which may be exactly why we are all so very confused right now and confusing our children, fuddled, one might say. I spoke about this about a month ago when CNN gave us an interesting story about what they call neo-pronouns and how to use them. From the Human Rights Campaign, of all places, note some of these pronouns may be pronounced differently based on their user, CNN Instructs, so that's helpful. Even these new things may be or can be pronounced without definiteness. So, for example, XE slash XYR is commonly pronounced Z and Zer, as in I asked Zer to come to the movies, and Z said yes. The teacher graded Zer paper today, and Z got an A. Z said herself that I'm her favorite neighbor. F A E and F A E R pronounced Fay and Fair. Fay told me that Fair best friend is in town this week. E Y E M E I R commonly pronounced as A M and Air. Work out to I'm taking aim to the park today and I wants to bring Air camera to capture the garden for M self. Try any of that in your common parlance and conversation. A is my best friend and airs weekday evenings are spent at my house. How in the world are we to supposed to understand any of this? And how much longer will weekday or evening or house be understood once he or man or human is no longer defined or understood? I say this because the CNN story continues. You don't just have neo pronouns; You have noun self-pronouns like leaf and sun and star. They're known as noun-self neo-pronouns that use nature and other inspirations as non-binary or genderless descriptors. How can you use nature, by the way, as an inspiration for these new pronouns when the very meaning of nature presumes an inherent binary sexual identification, from the Latin natura meaning birth, as in neonatal units? Nature is, in other words, the grounding of not just all life, but of all morality. It's the nature of a human being, for example, that we speak of when we think of Abraham Lincoln saying he was right and Stephen Douglas was wrong when Lincoln said there is nothing in the nature of a black man that should allow a white man to declare one superior over the other, not in a regime based on the recognition of nature or natural law, where humans are by nature equal for their very being as humans and not animals and not gods and not leaves and not suns and not stars, let us say. So why it is so mind-bendingly absurd for our new world to accept and say that neopronouns use nature as other inspirations for non-binary Descriptors. There is no nature without life, and there is no life without birth, and there is no birth without nature or a binary sexual understanding of it. As Dr. Jaffa put it, all friendship, all society, indeed all of human existence arises from the physical difference of male and female human beings. From this physical difference arises the ground and purpose of human life because it is the ground and purpose of nature. What we are doing here is making not a brave new world, but rather the most confusing world possible, where being a human itself become, becomes confused and confusing. If, after all, there is no difference between he and she, how is there a difference between human and animal? And this is not an exaggeration. As the CNN story tells us, pronouns are completely original to their user— When people refer to themselves as star or star self in place of binary pronouns like she or herself, these are called noun self neopronouns, as we said. Some humans do want to be referred to as leaves and stars. We even get sample sentences such as this quote for someone who uses the noun self pronoun leaf that may look like I hope leaf knows how proud we are that leaf is getting to know leaf self better or leaf arrived at the coffee shop before me. I was mortified to have been late to meet leaf. My question is, how are we, if we don't know what a girl or a boy or a human is, how are we supposed to know what a leaf is? And why can't someone who likes the shape of a star call a leaf a star? Why can't a human call themselves a collie? You may hear or read this and think all of this is impossibly true. It's not. As you may have seen, the human being who thinks he is a collie is a story just about a month and a half ago. I don't know how this can go on and at the same time have any moral authority in our arguments for freedom and equality. In his last public letter, Thomas Jefferson wrote, "...all eyes are opened to the rights of man. The general spread of the light of science has already laid open to every view the palpable truth that the mass of mankind has not been born with saddles on their backs, nor a favored few booted and booted and spurred ready to ride them by the grace of God. These are grounds of hope for others, for ourselves." Let the annual return of the 4th of July forever refresh our recollections of these rites and our devotion to them. So we now are just undoing all this. Confusing. in the Rhythm. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. All right. That is a uh, that is what you call a democratic process compromise. Uh, we have a new listener, Tiffany. Shout out to her who requested a couple of songs from Manhattan Transfer, but they were wholly unacceptable. So we gave her Manhattan Transfer, but we went with Birdland's version of uh, Manhattan Transfer's version of Birdland, which not halfway. She gave us the group. We gave her the song. Welcome aboard. Is that about right, David? Does that sum it up? <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Perfect. All right. We're we're reasonable that way. Yeah. All right. Rick is in Phoenix. Hi, Rick.
3: Hi there, Seth. How are Hope you? Hope you're having a wonderful Wednesday.
2: I am. I'm looking forward to my upcoming guests, Ted Nugent and Phil Robertson.
3: Oh, no kidding! Ted Nugent's going to be on today.
2: And Phil Robertson. Yeah, for Fant- manliness and hour. And Phil
3: Robert. Wow. Fantastic. But I. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Totally. I just. Mention their names Yeah, I that's today. I I am
2: kidding. I know. I heard you. Oh no. <laughs> you called Seb Gorka. Oh no. Perfectly reasonable. And Are... uh you said you wanted to offer up a couple guests that would be good representations of manhood, and I just was on the edge <laughs> of my seat thinking you were about to say David and Seth, but oh no. <laughs> oh no. It was uh an aged musician and a duck hunter.
3: <laughs> my bad, my bad. If I had been thinking properly, right reason, I would have brother, right, said right reason. You and David. Yes, that's right.
2: <laughs> that's what we're supposed to be focused. on. I'm sorry. On do you
3: have detectives on me or something? Or no, I just listen to my own station. Detectives?
2: I just listen to my own station.
3: Okay. <laughs> Well, Seth, I mean, Seth thought that was a a, a good idea. Sure. So. There yeah, was just so. a
2: better idea, that's all.
3: <laughs> that's true, that's true. Hey, can we just decree that henceforth Pig Latin will be the universal language for everyone?
2: You might as well, except that that is actually somewhat understandable and apprehensible. Yeah, what they're that's... doing with the English language is, to me, totally incomprehensible.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Excellent, excellent monologue as as always, Thanks. and and you're absolutely right about that, Seth. I have uh, whittled today's sermon down to seven points.
2: Okay. <laughs> All right. No. Go ahead. Really,
3: really down to three points. Okay. And I'll, I'll give them to you, and you can choose one, or we can go, or which order we go in. All right. Way. The first one is your 6 6 a.m. phone call. Yes. Second one is your wonderful new organization, The Stop Starts Here. Yes, sir. And the uh, public health officials. And the third thing is JAWS.
2: All right. Here's what let's do. Um, because I'm kind of crowding out the rest of the hour here. Let's do Jaws for now, and you call back on the other two uh, Thursday or Friday. How's that? Okay. And we'll do those, because like they deserve a little bit more time.
3: Yeah, and, okay. <laughs> and, and, and you put me in a okay, good mood, so let's talk Jaws about Jaws. Here's, yeah. here's what I decided on Jaws. Yeah. I think I know the reason that David thought that the Jaws uh, looked—that uh, the shark looked fake. Okay. And I think, I think the reason is, is because he knew that it was a fake shark. Whereas when you and I saw that movie, oh wow, we didn't know it was a fake oh, shark. Oh, that's a
2: great point.
3: And lo and behold, wow, scared the bejesus out of
2: us. Yeah, you know, that's a great point. And so much so is that true, that we didn't really think about sharks until that movie as that's a society. Right. Sharks were just not on people's minds very much. In fact... So much so that when Steven Spielberg was interviewing screenwriters, as the story goes, kept talking about the whale and Spielberg kept saying it's a shark. And the guy <laughs> kept talking about the whale. He didn't get the job, obviously. Um, no, seriously. And yeah. uh, that's how little we thought of sharks. That's another point as to how powerful that movie changed the culture. Now we yeah. all think of sharks uh, yeah. as much as anything else. Yeah, yeah. you're right. We didn't well, know what sharks were. I mean, we knew what they were. We just never thought of them.
3: Right, right. That's right. They just weren't on our radar.
2: No, no. And and
3: here's the other thing about Jaws. I cannot believe that you and David have been talking about this back and forth for the last however many weeks. I know. And that Sebastian Gorka and his guy did a complete review of, of Jaws, and none of you mentioned the most iconic line in the entire movie. Because
2: it's overworn and overdone, and we're looking for the non-conventional.
3: Okay, okay, but we're, we're talking to a new generation now.
2: Well, let's see if David knows it. Young okay. David, do you know what the most famous line in that movie is?
0: Are we going to need a bigger boat? Yeah,
2: Yeah. I, 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 that might have been, by the way, that might have been extemporaneous. I don't know if that was in the script. It's possible it yeah. wasn't.
3: It's it's possible. It's po- I uh, we, couldn't we, believe that. I think uh, I
2: read that it wasn't. I think I read that... Uh, that what's that his it name? was exemplary? Yeah, yeah, that he just inserted Dreyfuss? it there. Yeah, yeah no, Dreyfuss not Dreyfus. Just... No, no. Um, what's his name? Uh, uh, the cop. Roy Schneider. Yeah, Roy Scheider. Oh, Roy Scheider. Yeah,
3: But Scheider wasn't the one that said it, was Yeah, it? I think
2: he was. He was shoveling oh. the chum when the jo- when the shark came up. I'm pretty sure I'm right Well, about I thought that, that was
3: Dreyfus, No, that was throwing no, the chum
2: no, out no, no, no. Okay, well... No no, because yeah. Dreyfus anyway. was the only one who knew anything about any of this. He would not have said, we need a bigger boat.
3: It, yeah, well, no, he said we need a bigger boat when Jaws jump, jumped up there and almost chomped him when he was throwing the chum out.
2: Yeah, but that was Roy Scheider.
3: Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I my memory is not as good as it used to be. Hey, just a quick story Also, maybe about
2: you that. haven't seen the movie a thousand times like I have.
3: Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. I've only seen it 999. Yeah. So that summer, my parents did not take us to California to the beach. Instead, we went to Colorado to the mountains. I get it. Grand Junction. Yeah. 10,000 feet. Yeah. And there's a wonderful trail up there. But what we didn't know is that that is the hunting grounds for the California condor. Ah. And my little sister, my little brother, were scooped up by this condor and never seen again.
2: Giant tsetse flies, uh, not I'm contours. B- <laughs> those were giant tsetse flies from the in-laws. You know. Sorry, man. That's all right. No, I but thank you for your uh, thank you for picking up on our organization. Yeah, uh, promote it, would you? Uh, the Stop yes. here.org uh, here or, or, tell already. all your people about it. And, uh, I've already talked oh, to some great. people
3: about it, great. and we'll continue to. Thanks, and, and if
2: uh, it. they can help out, that would be great. The more they help, the more ads and eyeballs we're in front of. And call back yeah. uh, tomorrow or the next day, and we'll do those other two hot-button issues, okay? Okay. All right. God love you, brother. Thank you. You too, brother. No, thank you. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. John Dombrowski brings us our culture and economy update. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his uh, great website, a great way to reach him as well. How are you today, John?
4: Fantastic,
2: Seth. Thank you. Fed is holding rates steady, I read.
4: Uh, yep, the Fed Fed meeting ended with the uh, Fed basically stating they're not going to raise rates this, uh, this meeting. meeting. However, yes, not this yes. year, but this
2: <laughs> meeting, right? <laughs> However, Station. they did
4: say, you know, no. hey, we're not we're not taking rate hikes off the table, That's and right. uh, again, we believe interest interest rates are going to be held at a higher level for a longer period of time, and, and they basically did uh, indicate that they would most likely be raising no. rates one more time before the end of the year. So. No. Uh, the markets reacted a bit negatively to that, but I think it was something that was expected. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's kind of a benign, uh, you know, response here.
2: The devastating line Reagan used at the uh, last debate in 1980 against Jimmy Carter is, "Are you better off now than mm. you were four years ago?" Boy, right. I you know you just look at what they call Bidenomics, is this piece in the Wall Street Journal, and you just wonder if that's going to be there for the picking for uh, whoever the Republican nominee is. Uh, you look at uh, what's going on with regard to the Inflation Reduction Act. You look at right. uh, all the problems. The interesting thing you were talking with us about the UAW strike the other day. The administration's sure. even recessing from that because it's of two mixed minds now, realizing that it conflicts with parts of its other agenda. Sure. Sure.
4: Yeah. 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 Well, you know, it's interesting because, as you mentioned, the Infl- Inflation Reduction yeah. Act it, it has climate uh, and energy subsidies. Yeah. Uh, Expected to be over a trillion dollars mm-hmm. uh, what 's interesting about this is that I go back to um, the wind yeah. Uh, energy, yeah you know and this was going to be you know the it was going to save us here we 're going to put all these windmills yeah. all over the the world and we 're going to you know these 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 are so ugly <laughs> you know i couldn 't believe it when I went to Hawaii for the one of the one of the uh, first times when I saw the wind um, you know windmills there. These big towers with these blades on them on this you know beautiful area in Hawaii, and the the landscape is littered with these yeah. uh, and of course, now we're finding that the hundreds of billions of dollars of federal subsidies that you know would be a reason for some companies to go ahead and and consider doing these um, is now not being done why? because companies can't afford it because even with the subsidies the cost to build these have gone up so much and thanks to bidenomics right so you know here we have uh you know the energy policy that this administration has but their policies are creating such stress on the system that they can't even execute on it so uh it's going to be really interesting to see especially here with the Auto workers yep. as well yep. you know they're pushing forward really hard they want a 40 percent increase in pay they only want to work four days a week uh they want an additional pension benefits they want a, a variety of different things and basically ford's saying you can ask for all those things but if we would have had you know had to pay you this amount we'd basically be out of business because last year they had a two billion dollar loss in 2022 that's right now you know, it's it's just an interesting dynamic right here. And remember, these companies can – I'm sure they have backup plans and contingency plans. Maybe they'll take their – they're manufacturing and move it to another country. Well, and right. And that there's was been talk one of the conflicts,
2: that. right? With yeah. the UAW problem sure. and the Biden administration trying yes. to put manufacturing back here, right? Right.
4: And, and again, whose idea was it to bring manu- yeah. manufacturing back yeah. here? Yeah.
2: yeah, right.
4: Right? Yeah. We heard that Four President Trump ago. talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. And now all of a sudden, it, it, now it's, a, uh, it's the Democrats yeah. that are touting this. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting.
2: You know, it dawned on me with the wind turbines and the wind mm-hmm. energy farms and stuff. There's another phrase that was popular in the 80s we could bring back too: save the whales. Save the I, whales no, I, yeah. honestly yeah. have you seen yeah. the, I mean, the, 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 I, the good <laughs> whatever good idea was behind it turns out on many levels, including for the environment, at least for living environment. Not such a good idea with this wind farms, yeah. uh, floating uh, it, wind farms, etc.
4: It's interesting right now, too, Seth, because as we develop our portfolios for our clients, yeah. we you know we try to take all sure. these things into account. Sure, um, and it's you know we all have this great idea that we want clean energy. Of course we do, yep. um, but it can't be shoved down our throats without thinking this thing through and really building a proper infrastructure before you could. Uh, you know, flip a switch and expect all of this to ultimately work. Um, so this is—I think a lot of people are seeing through this now, yeah. and they're realizing that this just can't be done. Hey, by the way, yeah. the new um, Cadillac Escalade all-electric vehicle came out. Yeah. Only hundred and forty thousand dollars.
2: No kidding. Oh, so no. I'm sure
4: we we can all afford that. Oh, you know, come on, really?
2: No, no, no. What is that noise? What's going on? I think David hit something wrong.
4: Uh, I think John. he's been, been – that's his pirate voice, isn't Why it Why is he doing that?
2: <laughs> uh, th- there's no reason for that. Uh, John, um, thank you, sir. Uh, you bet. I, I, well, wait. I, I had one more thought before you sure. went. The wind, well, we'll think of it tomorrow. The wind, the economy. Anyway, John Dombrowski, Grand Canyon. Sounds My, good. Thank you, All sir. Right.
4: Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities, LLC. A member of FNR and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates, LLC, and Creative One Securities, LLC are not affiliated. Thanks, Seth.
2: Thanks, John. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, Britt. Johnson is a partner with the Snell & Wilmer Law Firm, based here in Phoenix, offices around the country, swlaw.com, their website. And Brett is our constitutional and elections law expert and resident uh, resident scholar. How are you today, Brett?
1: Good, Seth. Thanks
2: for having me. You, uh, you an old country fan? That was a little Keith Whitley there for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I always like to pick a little word out of, of the songs when I hear it. I think you said, uh, you know, quakes of California. Yeah. And this is definitely for the topic we're talking about today. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So I'm looking at the front page of the Arizona Republic. The first story is on a zombie hunter. And then the next story is campaign seeks open primaries for Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, open and they're linked. Ta- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell us. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Go for it, brother.
1: So, yes, there's a, a new effort, and this is actually has been uh, something that's discussed uh, oh, the country. We've actually talked about it on the show before. Yep. It's the concept of, of open primaries, but also ranked choice yep. voting. Right. And that's, that's two different concepts. And this is what this um, initiative that's being proposed by the Make Elections Fair committee here in Arizona is doing. But it, it does, you know, again, national implications. Uh, Oregon also has a similar provision that's going to be up for election. Um, and it's, it's something that is, is novel because it is a constitutional amendment. They're not trying to change the election laws at the statutory level that are a little bit more easy to at least finagle. But it's a constitutional amendment, which is, again, much harder, as it should be, much harder to change and And what it comes down to is that the, the, what the initiative is proposing is no more public funding for political party primaries. So no more Republican or Democrat or libertarian or independent or green party primary and And instead, you get enough signatures. Everybody's on the same playing field as the signatures you need to get on the ballot once you're on the ballot, regardless of how long that ballot is. Um, you're in this case, top five would then move, uh, would be, this is what's interesting here in Arizona in most states is just, you know, you, you win the open primary, you're one of the top five, you move to the general election and, and then it's usually just the winner out of that, uh, regardless of top 50%. But they're trying to also move to a ranked choice voting for the general election, And what that would actually mean is instead of a top five, the legislature and the governor would choose how many folks are actually moving to that election. So instead of five, it could be three, it could be two. Then once it's over in the ranked uh, choice voting section, you would rank your your candidates one, two, three, four and five. And if the number one candidate did not get it, then you would move to your second choice. And then that would be applied um, to to the, the ballot tally. And then eventually until you get to somebody who has 50 plus one votes, 50 percent plus one votes. Um, so it's an it's a interesting concept for sure. Extremely complicated. And it's going if, if it were to pass, it would completely change elections in the state of Arizona.
2: You know, I'm just you grew up. Do you remember Schoolhouse Rock? Those were three minute oh, yeah. videos or TV commercials. They couldn't do this in three minutes. I mean, it's no. important to explain how to vote for a candidate or an elect an official in this country or this state. Well, I just got to tell you, Brett, I think it's a solution in search of a problem. Um, and I think it leads uh, my own personal opinion. I don't know yours and I don't want to speak for you. But I got to tell you, it's 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 <laughs> is the election system right now simple enough for everyone or do we need to more compli- to complicate it further?
1: Well, it, exactly, and especially here in the state of Arizona when there has been so yeah. much controversy yeah. over the ballot machines, right <laughs> yeah. regardless of which side you're on on that yeah this, this, the only way that to make this work is is to do it electronically, yeah. Um, and I think that even when you look at other, and I hope people go and do their own research, of course, is, is that this, everybody wants the immediate results on election night. Mm -hmm. Why can't we do this? You know, the city of New York can do it, but the state of Arizona cannot. What's wrong with us? Well, this will have that consequence of, of further delaying. Now, obviously, if there's a clear cut winner on election night, that's going to be easy. But even in a small little uh, congressional Campaign up in Maine, where it was not a clear cut winner. It was over a week before the election was finally decided when they went through those different evolutions. So, if people are thinking that this is going to be a quick fix on this initiative, um, it's going to be—it's it's not going to be that case. Now, obviously, I don't know if the proponents of this initiative are putting it through what's called the legislative council yeah. to determine the legalities of it, yeah. but it, it is—it's extremely confusing um, concept, although. Uh, laid out in a very—tries to make it in a very basic manner. But uh, as in all legal language, the devil's in the details.
2: Well, the worry I would have about it as someone who doesn't like the sound of any of this, and I've seen how some of it plays out in a moderated form in California. I guess that was your reference to the California earthquake. Oh, um, you remember
1: the fist fights?
2: Yes. Well, that <laughs> and also you can end up—I mean, Lori Roberts had an op-ed on this in the paper today as well— uh, you can end up with no Republicans. She said you could end up with no Democrats. You could end up with no Republicans in some of these cases.
1: And, and you bring up a very good point there, because they're talking about how this is obviously based in the legislative district. Right. And they're complaining about, well, you know, if something is so pro Republican or pro -pro Democrat, it's very hard. Well, but that is chosen by the redistricting commission based off of a bunch of different criteria that goes to communities of interest. So, what you could, in, in essence, have is just compound that issue. Yep. If you're, and it's really hard to put an election system like this in place. That does not have a trigger with political lines too, and right. so uh, until those are able to be mirrored up and, and you'll never really be able to mirror those up because one happens every ten years it's a very interesting concept now what what what's possibly a solution if people really want to go down this world is is the Supreme Court has said on and on is uh, democracy democracies at the local level laboratories of democracy and for cities or local elections where it's a little bit more manageable. You see how it works and then you apply it to the county and then you apply it to the state and that's how a laboratory is supposed to work. Putting such a huge change in election law Um, into the system can have a really negative effect. And I'll give you the main one. Um, I don't know if anybody looks at the retention level for the judges, Mm -hmm. but the judge's ballot is about half of the actual ballot, at least up here in Maricopa County. And a lot of people are not looking at it. And so it's very easy to target one or two or three of those individuals um, in a negative way, even though it might not be warranted and have a significant consequence. So again, I think you're you're exactly right. This is a solution looking for a problem, and it's uh, it's gonna it's gonna play out. Now it's gonna take a lot of signatures to get on the ballot. It's gonna be about six or seven million dollars, even the proponents are saying, just to get on the ballot, and then um, eventually we'll see what happens then.
2: Well, that's right. I only have about 20, 30 seconds left, but that raises the interesting question. If they do get on the ballot, the organizations that are going to have to come together to create a campaign that want to defeat it, that's, that's not a natural organization, is it?
1: No, no. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an unholy, it's yeah. an unholy, unholy alliance yeah. in yeah. many respects, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah.
2: Brett Johnson, thank you, sir.
1: Perfect. Thank you, Seth. All right, bro.
2: Talk to you soon. Portions of uh, the show are brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They're based here locally, and you can visit them. They're on Scottsdale Road in the 101. They offer up an investment in a secure and collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate up to 10.25%. 10.25% fixed interest rate. It's an investment where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, and no penalty if you need your money back at any time. And it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve, especially if you're concerned about uh, banks failing, stock market volatility, inflation, possible recession. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give him a call at 888-Y-REFI-24, 888-Y-REFI-24. This is perfectly awful, what I want to point out to you, perfectly awful. My friend Kwong Nguyen, who's uh, chairman of the uh, House Judiciary Committee here at the state legislature, I'll I'll ask John um, Shattuck about it in the next hour. He tweeted this last night. I occasionally receive reports from a friend who works at the border. At 8.45 this evening last night, I received a series of texts from him with permission to post. It's out of control down here. The Border Patrol agents were told to cease all law enforcement operations. No arrests allowed. They are all processing and transporting aliens now. They are dropping off aliens all over town at shopping centers. The Tucson sector is average 12,000 apprehensions a week. And that is just the give-ups. There are no agents in the field, so all aliens not giving up, the bad ones, are just freely walking north because there are no agents working in the field. The trail cameras across the state are going off nonstop with groups, and no agents are allowed to respond. It's gone. We lost. Please, no. Please, N-O. L- l- we can't say it's gone, and we can't say it's lost, or that we lost. We can't do that. Meanwhile, New York City is facing a level of homelessness not seen since the Great Depression in 1930s, made up of a lot of illegals as well. This, um, we're going to talk to John Shattuck. Talk to Mark Levin a little bit later. Talk about, you know, is all lost. I want to talk about that with them. Is all lost. I mean, there's an awful lot to be pessimistic about, but there's an awful lot of reason not to be pessimistic, too, because we can't give up on this stuff. We just simply cannot give up on it. All right. uh, John Shattuck coming right up. And then after that, we'll talk with the great Mark Levin. Be right back.